And it's too easy to choose the path of hating. Yeah. It's too, it's much easier to judge someone, to judge ourselves, to be in victimhood, to be in rage. And yet it's ironically considered cheesy or light or fluffy or something to do what is actually the really heavy lifting work. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> it takes so much more effort it does. To, to practice staying yeah. in that higher ground. Welcome to Alone Traveler's Guide to the Divine, a podcast for empaths, healers, dreamers, and seekers. My name is Amanda Lux, and I'm the creator of the Elevation Hive School and Community for Energy Medicine and Dreamwork. In this podcast, I offer teachings, poetry, songs, interviews, and inspiration to support you wherever you are on your path. Today's episode is a special, vulnerable, intimate conversation that I had with my best friend, Dazon, who has been my best friend since we were 15. So for over 30 years, we've been writing and painting and creating together. And this episode was recorded on our most recent painting retreat. And so when we get together to do these painting sessions, we kind of clear our schedules. We don't interact with other people or as minimally as we can. And the way that it works is we're really opening sacred space. We're inviting in our guides and allies. We're listening to our dreams and seeding our dreams every night. And we are painting our physical, emotional, mental process, you know, moving the energy of our lives through the paintings. We're painting our dreams, our visions. And as we're painting, we also heal, learn, grow, evolve, and change through the painting process. It's a very, very powerful process. I decided to go ahead and record part of our conversation because, you know, it was just nonstop, juicy, deep insights coming left and right. In this episode, Dazan is actually processing through her divorce that just recently happened and the emotional pain and turmoil around that. Also, she shares a dream and some of her process with the painting that had to do with a physical issue that was going on in her body that was also emotional and energetic. So she does some personal work around that and shares a little bit of that in this episode. Really powerful. My intention in sharing this intimate conversation and Dazan's intention too, as we discussed, is really just to open that up to you, invite you to be a participant in the dream, listening for and attuning to how these stories resonate for you in your life and in your body and in your experience. When we open up that awareness, that consciousness, it can be incredibly transformative. So that is the intention, the prayer for this episode that you also can find something that resonates for you, some healing, some um, solace maybe even in the ways that our difficulties are really here to grow us and ultimately that we as the dreamers are on some level choosing this dream.
last night you had a breakthrough realization. Yes. We're in the midst of a painting retreat and you've been working on a specific <clears throat> painting that has everything to do with everything. <laughs> and yeah, and I mean it initially was about this pelvis blockage, this image where I couldn't access. I couldn't figure out what's going on down there. Why is it blocked? I pictured this whole brick wall. And then when I pictured myself with this big cement bricked up pelvis, I felt like it was sinking me deeper and deeper into the watery emotional experience. So the big download that I got last night was that I had painted it and the first time that I had attempted to paint the bricks onto this naked woman's body that was sinking underwater she suddenly looked like some sort of porn star wearing like a catholic schoolgirl <laughs> skirt and it was really not what I had been going for and for some reason she had like triple d breasts and like <laughs> tiny little limbs and this flat belly and this like schoolgirl skirt on so i was like yeah no okay this needs to be adjusted and in the action of painting away those bricks assuming i was going to paint different ones and painting her breasts down to a more reasonable size thickening up her thighs giving her some gray hair I was literally going through the process of like maidenhood into motherhood and now I've decided to take her hair all the way gray, right? The whole thing was about this feminine energy, this pelvic energy, this like girlhood, motherhood, birth, and then menopause. And the I love that the painting has progressed and that initial trap of that brick pelvis when I painted it looked so highly sexual and that I had to free myself from the idea that sexuality is the curse or is the demise of the self, right? Mm. Once I painted away the bricks and painted the body into more of what resonated for me of reality or then I didn't need to paint the bricks back on at all. the bricks are gone and I feel so free. And now she just looks literally like she's just floating and choosing to be in the water. Yeah. I really loved the realization when we were processing this progression of the painting that the first round was not a mistake. Right. And that when we engage in this style of painting, of conscious creation, and we're pulling on images that come from our dream states and different waking dream states, and recognizing that the process of the painting is a healing process for our lives, means that every mistake, quote-unquote, that happens in the painting is on purpose, and it's a lesson, and it's an evolution. And as the painting changes, we change. Our bodies change. The energies that we're carrying change. That that is a transformative process. Right. And that in the process of painting this painting, after I had physically been bleeding for 22 days, my bleeding stopped. Yeah. Right? Yes. That my pelvis experienced a healing shift 
in the action of painting yeah. this evolution. Amazing. On our painting retreats, each night we usually seed our dreams and our dreams are listening because in the morning we work them and you did have a dream. I had two brief dreams one being that I was a child having to transition from one parent to the other, carrying this little apple box of all of my belongings and there being a bag, like a plastic bag full of honey in that box, knowing that I had to carry this sweetness back and forth between the two parents' homes. The dream I had after that was uh, my soon-to-be ex-husband and I standing in front of this little old man judge. The judge says to him, so you are moving out of her house, but you're going to be living in the backyard? Not even questioning, but more just restating. And he said yes. And then the judge said, well, don't feel like you have to move too fast because there's a lot of steps. There's a lot of paperwork. This is going to take a while, right? What felt most pertinent is that having fallen asleep in this blissed out state, <laughs> I woke up in rage. Right. <laughs> and I, I also want to offer that, you know, not just blissed out because we had had these great revelations about the painting process and the meanings behind the paintings, but also that you're getting divorced in two days. Yes. And <laughs> that, that we spent quite a bit of time working through right. how to be really okay with that, how to be in power, in alignment, in clarity. How to embody the sort of fantasy ultimate version of that experience. Within reality. Within reality, yes. I mean, I felt like it was a very grounded yeah. True to life. <laughs> when you said fantasy, I imagine. Yeah, right. No, but, you know, <laughs> if you'd asked me six months ago what my fantasy version, it might have involved, like, machetes and <laughs> a great deal of bloodshed. And now my fantasy version, as of last night, was, like, just being in acceptance and being in a place of calm and love for myself and, you know, not yeah. in the rage. So to wake up in the rage... Mm -hmm. I then, because you were doing yoga, I went to my journal and journaled the dream and then processed it a bit just on my own. And immediately within a few lines of writing the dream down, I recognized, oh, this dream is happening so that I'm remembering that I have this particular source of rage still that hasn't been addressed yet in the prior conversations we've had in the last few days. And that is having been lied to, having been betrayed, and that there is this pile of unknowns. Anytime I look in that direction, I feel so hurt and like such a fool and that I have been had, you know, like I had all this faith that, that we were going to have this forever, ever, ever thing and that he chose someone else instead. I want to find a way to be in a place of just feeling empowered and clear of that and in this sort of higher mind, higher light of 
knowing that whatever their relationship is, is not affecting me. The challenge or impossibility even of that is that she lives right down the street from me. She's an old friend of mine. My kids see her at baseball games. They talk to me about the turtle that she bought. She comes into my world left and right already. I see her gardening. I bump into her at the fucking grocery store. It's everywhere. I can't just say, I'm going to move to Florida and never see them again because my kids have a wonderful dad and a wonderful house and a wonderful home and life in this place. And I'm not, I'm not leaving. That's what got us to the concept of remembering that we chose this dream. Yeah. Say something about that. Anytime I receive a dream and I try it on, I always want to try it on in multiple ways. And I want to try it on so that all the characters are who they are. And then I always try it on as though all the characters are me. And they're just mirrors and different versions of myself. And ultimately, as a practice, we are always all the characters in our dream. Not just our night dream, but our waking dream of our life. Right. And that as long as we see these other characters as other, we can be a victim of them or we can be the torturer thinking that something, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we'll get something we want or, you know, that we, there's this power thing. Right. It's about power really or control. And it seems like the more other they are, the more control or power we have over. Right. It seems like that in the moment that if you're hurting, you could lash out and hurt them and that that would make you hurt less, but it never works that way. We're always just hurting ourselves. Right. Because each of them are an aspect of ourself, and so therefore, if I'm sending him that fuck you text or I'm glaring at her from across the grocery store, I feel in charge, right? I feel like I've won except for that sick, heavy feeling in my (laughs) gut of feeling so poisoned. (laughs) And it's because I'm poisoning that aspect of myself. Yeah. And and, yeah. and even further than that, I love the remembering option in the day-to-day life that, sure, maybe they're all aspects of myself, but what feels even more resonant to me is that I chose this dream, I chose these characters. Right, right. And these characters are here to help me grow stronger in ways that I haven't had the opportunity to grow yet. And so then I have, um, you know, I mean, let's not get Pollyanna. I don't feel like, oh, thank God they had an affair and I get to learn these sacred new lessons about. (laughs) But yes, that too, at the same time. I love the growth that has come in this last couple years. The degree of strong that I am now that I couldn't fathom being feels so good, feels so alive and well. The degree of faith that I have tapped into that I was able to be a little lazy about for a lot of years. Like, yeah, I could think about whether this happened for a reason or I could watch this football game and drink (laughs) seven beers or whatever, Uh, which was perfect for that time. It was exactly what was right. And right now, 
I want to be released from this rage. I want to be released from this tar baby of the betrayal and the hurt. And I see one key to that release is remembering that I chose to be in these scenarios. I chose on a soul level to learn these things and and have these people in my life. And that feels like it frees me up to have that deep breath, to actually get a little bit of distance from it. Yeah. Even though it's pulling it closer and owning it. Right. Right. I feel like I can see things in more of the macro than just the micro from that perspective. And I'm not going to go out and buy them flowers for finding each other and being such great teachers in my life. But in my own private experience, I can offer gratitude to all the gorgeous, fun, and horrific things that have happened in my life to form me into the ever-evolving self that I am right now. beautiful that idea that that's all on purpose in some way and I think that that as an idea can be threatening to people to just blindly have faith that everything is always working out for me quote unquote right right how do we really get behind that what's the action how does how do you live that in a in a conscious active way the victim mentality is so entrenched in our culture and in our conscious that even the idea of not being a victim can be viewed as a a victim-like experience, right? (laughs) Well, I guess I just have to let all the bad things happen to me, you know, because it's all supposed to be this way. And I have no no power and just got to lay down and take it. Yeah. And I think that the the distinction that I was really feeling into was going back to the painting and the way that you painted that the first time and that it didn't look at all like what you meant for it to look like. It was completely unintentional. It was totally triggering. <laughs> and it just happened to trigger in the exact right way to put you in touch with what that unconscious aspect was underneath the brick wall, that fear of your own sexuality or right. a trigger around it, right? right? And that was not an accident. Right. Like that was some higher intelligent aspect of your inner artist coming through in that moment. And this is exactly the great bridge to the concept of living consciously or unconsciously, right? Of conscious participation or unconscious living. I loved the description of unconscious living being this like blindfold and you're in this like dark place and you're just stumbling around bumping into walls and blaming the walls for being there and then tripping over things and feeling like a victim of the thing that you tripped over. And, you know, it's just, ugh. Right. And yet the idea that the conscious living, you're still blindfolded and yet you're tuning into these higher senses. Yeah. Finding ways to take the best next step for you not because you can see everything and you know the entire path forever all the way out and it's all just destined to be, 
But because you are exercising these muscles of how to tune in using a paintbrush or a dream work process or exercise or dance or, you know, whatever the thing is that works for you to help you tune in to your higher senses and get those higher directives, paying attention to those synchronicities and seeing like, whew, I had just been thinking about this and now this is right in front of me. I need to step towards that. Yes. Or someone just mentioned that to me yesterday and I got like full body tingles and then today someone's talking about it and it's such an important evolution of the next thing I'm supposed to be doing or whatever those in the smallest ways and huge monumental ways, all a part of our healing journey. Yes. As we stumble through the only difference there between the conscious and the unconscious is that along the way, we're just listening. Right. And we're paying attention and we're noticing all the various sensations and gathering information and trusting. So Dazan had another dream during our retreat that she offered to share so that we as the listeners could try it on as our own. I thought it was really incredibly illustrative of this concept that we continually refer to throughout this episode of how to navigate in the dark of life and while really listening and following that internal compass tuning to that higher directive of our soul's path. And I invited her to share this dream in this episode because it was to me just such an incredible example of the power of really tuning in to our dreams. And so I invite you to listen to her dream as though it were your own for how this speaks to you in your life perhaps. I had this dream where I was meeting with a mentor and they were mapping out on a physical map this direct pathway that went all the way around the world, but the line was always pointed toward the North Node. In the dream, that just meant that we were going in this particular direction. There was no explanation of what the North Node meant in the dream, but it was a known thing. This is the direction we're going. Here's this very straight line that goes, you know, we went through Asia. There was some Australia. But at that moment, I got to be at the North Node that is on our planet. What was unique about this North Node is that it wasn't tuned into the proper north that was of our planet, it was tuned into the universal north point. So it was this large sort of obsidian looking like crystal object that was always in sort of slow perpetual motion, staying in alignment with this universal north node. And as I put my hand on the object, I felt a little disappointed that I had been tuning in more and more and more to this universal direction, directive, and that it felt deeply 
satisfying to tune into it inside my body that I thought that once I got to this object that was directly connected and that I could have this external experience of touching it, that it would be like an exponentially more satisfying sensation. And yet instead it wasn't. I felt more satiated by experiencing it within myself. And um, I love that. (laughs) I just love that you had that dream. (laughs) I just love it so much. I love it so much because in the context of this conversation, to go back to the analogy of trying to live consciously, which is ongoing. It's not just a decision or an arrival place that we get to where we suddenly are so evolved, (laughs) but it's a practice and it's a constant adjustment, you know, just like that thing is always moving, that we are always adjusting to stay in that alignment. Yeah. And I just love that idea that as we're blindfolded walking through life, bumping into things like we do, that we could have this inner magnetic pull. And I think of it like that there's infinite realities, Mm -hmm. but there's infinite possibilities, infinite. And I like to live with that knowing because as long as I know that it's infinite, then I'm only responsible for that straight line. And for keeping that magnetic alignment that then pulls me in the right direction. If I lose that or I shut that down or I forget or I fall asleep, right? Falling asleep in my life. (laughs) (laughs) Falling asleep in the waking dream. (laughs) Yeah, if I fall asleep in the waking dream, I forget that I am magnetically connected, that I can feel that pull that's always inside of my body. Right. And that it that's really what's guiding. And surrender. Right. Surrender. I think about the concept of that faith that if you surrender to paying attention to these higher senses, paying attention to these directives, to these synchronicities, and then boom, your child dies, or boom, you get divorced, you run out of money, or you, you know, whatever, all the things that can be so hard. It is that source of surrender and attunement into that magnetic purity of our path allows that faith to be there to help you move through those things and gain greater wisdom rather than bitterness. Mm. Right? Yeah. Just to jump back to this particular scenario that we were talking about today is like the, you know, No one talks about divorce. People rarely, rarely talk about divorce. And I've had so many amazing encounters with people. Yeah, we don't talk about it because you don't want to talk about how embarrassing it is. You don't want to talk shit about your partner or you really want to, or you, you know, like there's all these reasons that are fascinating why it's such a taboo subject. And not having open universal knowledge or conversations about something can make it really easy to feel victimized, to feel really alone, to feel really in the fear rather than the faith. And I love the opportunity to go through something so horrific and see the ways that it has connected me to all these different people 
not because I'm going around talking to everyone about it openly, but just the like random soccer mom standing next to me who happens to find out that I'm getting divorced suddenly offering me like two sentences that went straight into my heart and felt so deeply touching and connected. A greater opportunity to be in the healing path with other people who are, we're all struggling. We all have our pain and our shit. I feel like it's important to acknowledge the pain and the shit happens no matter what. <laughs> so a couple weeks ago, my mom's driving from Lummi Island out here, it's a three hour drive. She's in her mid-70s. I feel a little like growing worry about that long of a drive, but really she's fine to do it still. And she got off the ferry and we had a quick talk about what we were going to do when she was here. And then I felt this distinct need to tell her I loved her so much And she responded with the same level, not a like, love you, but like a very heartfelt, um, I love you. And as soon as I got off the phone, I had this sort of panicky moment mixed with gratitude that I had told her that I loved her so much of like, what if she never made it here? You know, what if she died on the way here? And that was the last conversation we'd had. At least I told her I loved her so much. And then I had to just push all those scary thoughts away, went back to working and whatnot. And when she arrived, we were hanging out for a few hours. And then she said, you know, I have something that I want to share with you. And that was that when we were on the phone and we both told each other that we loved each other so much, which we do all the time, by the way, but it was something different about that exchange, that she too had gotten off the phone and had felt like, whew, you know, that was powerful. There was something she noted as well about needing really grateful that we had expressed it so deeply and that she got on the the highway and was traveling along and was just like locked into that love in almost a trance-like state when the truck that was in front of her, luckily at a little bit of a distance, the wooden boards that were in the back of that truck, like long, big wooden boards flew out of the truck. And she just, without thinking, moved effortlessly into the next lane and out of the way as the boards flew right past where her car had been. That would certainly have been a disastrous accident of some sort. We'll never know because it didn't happen in this plane on this time. And that, you know, she pulled over and the next exit and that there were all these cars backed up. Luckily, there wasn't a big accident, but that we had tuned in, that we had felt something and known we needed to lock in to that love between us to keep her safe so she could get here. Definitely think of that as deeper listening. As a, as a deeper tuning to the moment. You know what I think is really fascinating? 
is that if she had died in a car accident, clearly I would be heart-wrenchingly broken sad. But I would know that we had tuned in mm-hmm. and we had provided each other that love in our final conversation. I think that's important to state, yeah. right? That definitely makes me want to cry like a little <laughs> child. <laughs> I'm all teary. And I love that it strikes an emotional chord because that is the ultimate sort of, it's not about the outcome. Right. It's not about avoiding the hard thing. It's not about avoiding what we can't avoid. But when we are in tune, not only can we avoid (laughs) if we're able to, but if we aren't, then we're still okay. Right. We're still okay. the one thing that I want to anchor because specifically I wanted to have these conversations about these things so that I could have anchors or reminders or things to turn towards in these next couple days and months, years, life, but specifically in the acute window of knowing that I'm going to be standing at the divorce court, having that experience. I'm recognizing that the key ones for me out of these conversations are to remind myself that I chose this dream. I am choosing this dream. I am in appreciation for all of the characters in my dream for the ways that they help me grow and evolve. I am in charge of staying in tune with that magnetic universal source energy, letting it draw me into the next best step that I'm doing that and how empowering that stance is, how delicious it even is to, to feel that gratitude and feel that tuned in and that alive and well in the midst of all the horrors and blessings. Mm, I hope. I really love that as you were speaking that affirmation, that anchor, I was thinking back to when we were talking earlier that it's not just a decision, it's a practice of seeing all the characters in our life as though they are characters of our dream that are aspects of ourselves and loving them when we would like to just hate on them. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. When it's really, really, really hard, especially, and we have to pull that muscle out that it's kind of like, drop and give me 20, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. that there's this element of <laughs> that, that those really challenging people are our dumbbells <laughs> that we get to use to strengthen our muscles of staying in our dumbbells. <laughs> yeah. Of not slipping into otherness mentality of the other, that there is an other, because it sounds so trite or something. I don't know. What does it sound like to say, oh, we're all one. They're just a mirror of me. Yes. Well, it it does because in the same way that like, I'm just going to live this one beautiful life and be appreciative all the time of all the horrors. I mean, it all sounds trite. It's also, (laughs) that's why it has to be a practice because it's too easy to make fun of and it's too easy to choose the path 
of hating. Yeah. It's too. It's much easier to judge someone, to judge ourselves, to be in victimhood, to be in rage, and yet it's ironically considered cheesy or light or fluffy or something to do what is actually the really heavy lifting work. (laughs) (laughs) It takes so much more effort to, to practice staying in that higher ground. Yeah. Well, again, we could just stumble around and bump into things or we can tune in and that takes effort. It takes stepping back from ourselves, stepping back from our life you know, taking pause and really choosing to be conscious. How do I want to be in this scenario? How do I want to be in this moment? How do I want to be in relation to these individuals that I really don't want to be in relation with? (laughs) Mm -hmm. And that we all have that, you know? And so the heavy lifting can feel really heavy sometimes and repetitive. And when you are speaking that anchor, stating that idea of really staying in the knowing that this is my dream. I am the dreamer of this dream. And these characters are not accidentally here. The painting was on purpose, that there was no mistake when you painted that first part. That mistake provided the learning, the breakthrough. Yes. It was what made the bricks not necessary anymore to be in the painting at all. Right. And that these individuals and these challenges and these horrors are the breakthroughs, you know? They provide those opportunities. And I just felt suddenly lighter, like those weights weren't so heavy. Or maybe I was like that lady in the Everything Everywhere All at Once where she's like doing push-ups on her pinkies. (laughs) (laughs) Like how to be a kung fu master, you know? (laughs) How to be, how to defy the laws of gravity, is that the heaviest things get lighter the more you lift things. (laughs) They don't get lighter, but we get stronger. (laughs) And they feel lighter. And that's nice. (laughs) (laughs) Indeed. But you're never never done, you know? You're never done. You always still have to lift them to stay there. You're never really done. Well, the dumbbells then just transform into new dumbbells. Right. Heavier ones, usually. Yeah, or just different shapes and ones that you just are like, what? What is that? I don't even know what that is. Where did that come from? And you're like, oh, it's a dumbbell. Okay, I got to lift and then strengthen here. Yeah, yeah. Okay, okay. (laughs) (laughs) So, how to get a good workout, spiritual workout. Spiritual workout. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. So beautiful. Yeah. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Alone Traveler's Guide to the Divine. Please check out the show notes for more information on our monthly dream circles, our conscious creator circle, our online courses. We have a new astrology course for free inside the hive and uh, upcoming in-person polarity therapy courses, all kinds of great information in there for you to check out. 
I just want to say thank you so much for listening, for participating with your energy, with your attention, your time, and thanks for sharing, for leaving a review. My hope is that this podcast will deepen your own inquiry and exploration of your night dreams and your energy and the waking dream of your life in the best and highest way possible. Thank you so much. It's such an honor to be in sacred community with you. We're all one. We're all one. We're